family to this week's book review. I'm your host, Fernando. The book we're reviewing today is called Draw the Circle, the 40-Day Prayer Challenge by Mark Batterson, New York best-selling list, author of The Circle Maker. Mark Batterson served as the lead pastor of National Community Church, one church with seven locations in Washington, D.C. Mark's blog, markbatterson.com, and podcast, theaterchurch.com, also reach a virtual congregation around the world. Mark is the author of several best-leading books, including the New York Times bestseller, The Circle Maker, and in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. He and his wife, Laura, live on Capitol Hill with their three children. This book is called The 40-Day Prayer Plan That Will Challenge and Change Your Life Plan. (laughs) That Will Change Your Life Plan. Do you pray as often and as boldly as you want to? There is a way to experience a deeper, more passionate, persistent, and intimate prayer life. In this 40-day devotional, Mark Batterson applies the principles of his New York best-selling book, The Circle Maker, to teach you a new way to pray. As thousands of readers quickly became many tens of thousands true stories of miraculous and inspiring answers to prayer began to pour in. Those testimonies will light your heart, your faith on fire, and help you pray with even more boldness. In Draw the Circle through 40 40 true faith-building stories of God's answer to prayers, daily scriptures, and prayer prompts, Batterson inspires you to pray and keep praying like never before. Begin a lifetime of watching God work. Believe in the God who can do all things. Experience the power of bold prayers and even bolder faith in Draw the Circle. Amen. I'm going to read a little bit of notes. That was the jacket, the back of the jacket. This ha- I read the book probably three quarters of the way. Like for instance, here's the chapter on cha- day six. Shameless audacity. I read this on 12-31-12. The last day of 2012 is when I finished reading this chapter. It's 10 years ago, huh? A little less than 10 years ago. The scripture here is, Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Luke 11.8 I was doing a radio interview shortly after The Circle Maker was released, and the host of the show told an amazing story about his missionary friend, Dr. Bob Bagley. Bob's church in Africa didn't have a church building, so they literally met under the shade of a single tree near the village. That is, until the local witch doctor cursed the tree and it withered. The church didn't just lose their shade, they were overshadowed by the curse. It undermined the authority of their message. Bob knew their status in the village was in jeopardy if he didn't do something about it, so he called for a public prayer meeting. Not unlike Elijah, who challenged the prophet of Baal, a prayer duel, 
Bob confronted the curse and called down a blessing on the tree. He literally laid hands on the tree and prayed that God would rescue, resurrect it. Now that's shameless audacity. If God doesn't answer his prayer, he would have dug an even deeper hole. That is the risk of prayer, isn't it? But we won't ask. We'll know. We'll never know. But if we don't ask, we'll never know. We accumulate lots of would-us, could-us, and should-us. Here's what I know for sure. God won't answer 100% of the prayers we don't pray. There is an old adage, desperate times calls for desperate measures. Every prayer is a calculated risk, but sometimes God calls us to to ante up all the faith we have and then let the chips fall where they may. That's what Bob did. He asked God to resurrect a tree, and then he added a little tagline to his prayer. It's not my name that's at stake. When we act in faith, we aren't risking our reputation. We are risking God's reputation because he's the one who made the promise in the first place. But if we aren't willing to risk our reputation, we'll never establish God's reputation. We also never experience miracles like the one Bob saw. Not only did God break the curse and resurrect the tree, it it became the only tree of its type to yield its fruit, not once but twice a year, a double crop, a double blessing. Why do we mistakenly think that God is offended by our prayers for the impossible? The truth is that God is offended by anything less. God is offended when we ask Him to do things we can do ourselves. It's the impossible prayers that honor God because they reveal our faith and allow God to reveal His glory. That was day six of shameless audacity, and there's more to that that chapter. Huh. Let me go ahead and finish the whole thing. It's only a couple of pages more. Now this. Day six, the uh, topic is shameless audacity. Again, in Luke 11, 8. Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. In Luke 11, Jesus tells a story about a man who won't take no for an answer. He keeps knocking on his friend's door until he gets what he came for. It's a parable about prevailing in prayer, and Jesus honors his bold determination. Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. I love this depiction of prayer. There are times when you need to do whatever it takes. You need to grab hold of the horns of the altar and not let go. You need to dare demonic forces for to a duel. You need to do something crazy, something risky, something different. The optimum of shameless audacity is the circle maker himself. When a severe drought threatened to destroy a generation of Jews, Honey drew a circle in the sand, dropped to his knees, and said, Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. It was a risky proposition. Honey could have been in that circle a long time, but God honored that bold prayer because that bold prayer honored him. And even when God answered that prayer for rain, Honey had the shameless audacity to ask for a specific type of rain. Not for such a rain have I prayed, but for rain 
of your favor, blessing, and graciousness. Amen. The moral of this parable is to prevail in prayer, but it also reveals the character of him who answers prayer. The request is not granted simply because of repentant requests. Prayer is answered to preserve God's good name. After all, it's not our reputation that is in the line. It's His reputation so God doesn't answer prayer just to give us what we want. God answers prayers to bring glory to His name. The beauty of obedience is this. It relieves us of responsibility. It takes all the pressure off us and places it squarely on God's sovereign shoulders. When we give God the tithe, for example, our finances are no longer our responsibility. They become God's responsibility. God even says, test me in this. And if we test God, we'll find that he can do more with 90% than we can do with 100%. It turns financial management into a giving game that gets more fun the more we give and the more we give away, the more we can enjoy what we keep. When we pray, we, we relieve ourselves of responsibility. We let go and let God. We take our hands off and put our concerns in the hands of Almighty God. And trust me, He can handle whatever we put in His hands. Sometimes we're afraid of praying for miracles because we're afraid that God won't answer. But the answer isn't up to us. We never know if the answer will be yes, no, or not yet. But the answer isn't up to us. It's not our job to answer. It's our job to ask. And Jesus exhorted us to ask. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. These three words, ask, seek, and knock, are present imperative verbs. In other words, they aren't something we do once. They are actions. They are repeated over and over again and again. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. And I might add, keep circling. The greatest tragedy in life is the prayers that go unanswered simply because they go unasked. So let's go ahead and ask. I remember when I was 15 years old, I was up in the mountains, and I guess we were asking because we were doing a lot of um, seeking and uh, study and exercise and chapel prayers. And then the presence of God came, and the Lord dropped down righteousness, righteousness. He rained righteousness on about 100 kids that were about 15 years old, you know. And I felt it. I felt that righteousness come down. I couldn't sleep all night. I was wide awake because that righteousness. So let's pray for God's righteousness again. Heavenly Father, Lord, we need a dose of your righteousness that I can say I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Holy, wholeheartedly, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm in right standing with you, Lord God. We seek you, look for you, and thank you. Thank you for this righteousness that helps us serve and be and to do and to make you look good, Lord. Thank you for this righteousness like we are a tree of life. Help us to look good with good fruit for you, for your work, Lord, in your honor. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. There you go, folks. That's just a little nip of one chapter out of 40 that we just 
read down. Other chapters are, write it down, write down the revelation, have a cartoon too, that's, or that's called day five. The chapters are called days on this book. Day four is, don't pray away. This happens so that the works of God will be displayed in him. This happened, John 9, 3. A lot of wisdom in this book by an amazing author, guys. Amazing things, day three. Consecrate yourself for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua 3, 5. One with God to declare, set apart, given over to a focus of Jesus. Amen. I got this chapter all underlined. Can you imagine that 12 years ago or 10 years ago? I was doing the same thing I'm doing now. And if you look 20 years ago, I was doing the same thing I'm doing now. If you look at 30 years ago, I'm doing the same thing as I'm doing now. Prayer, reading, seeking, getting excited about God. I'll leave you with this last scripture. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Amen and amen. an interesting story from a book called Small Miracles. Extraordinary Coincidence from Everyday Life by Gita Halberstan and Judith Leventhal. Thank you everyone for writing this book and let's go ahead and pray. Father God, Lord bless us as we read your miracles and your coincidence. Open our eyes and our hearts and minds that we know that all things are possible with God. God is on the throne, Lord, and our imaginations are right there with them. As God is, so are we in this world. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. As the Holy Spirit is in union with God, so are we. Our spirits are in union with God. Lord, nothing missing, nothing broken. Shalom. Let it open the windows of heaven, Lord, and pour out a blessing like you said you would in your word. We thank you for those blessings. And Lord, you said in your word that you will establish us and give us power to get wealth so that you can establish your, your covenant, establish your word here on the earth through us in Jesus' name. Let it be, let it be, it is so, it is so in Jesus' name. Amen. Small Miracles, the book, page 129. In a cold day, 1942, inside a Nazi concentration camp, a lone young boy looks beyond the barbed wire and sees a young girl pass by. She, too, is moved by his presence. In an effort to give expression to her feelings, she throws a red apple over the fence, a sign of life, hope, and love. The young boy runs over, bends over, and picks up the apple. A ray of light has pierced his darkness. 
The following day, thinking he is crazy for even entertaining the notion of seeing this young girl again, he looks out beyond the fence, hoping on the other side of the barbed wire, the young girl yearns to see again his this tragic figure who moved her so. She comes prepared with an apple in hand, despite another day of wintry blizzards and chilling air, two hearts are warmed up once again as the apple passes over the barbed wire. This scene is repeated for several days. The two young spirits on opposite sides of the fence look forward to seeing each other, if only for a moment, and if only to exchange a few words. The interaction is always accompanied by an exchange of inexplicably heartening feelings. At the last of these momentary meetings, a young boy greets his sweet friend with a frown and says, Tomorrow, don't bring me an apple. I will not be here. They are sending me to another camp. The young boy walks away, too heartbroken to look back. From that day forward, the calming image of the sweet girl would appear to him in moments of anguish. Her eyes, her words, her thoughtfulness, her red apple. All were a recurring vision that would break his nighttime sweats. His family died in the war. The life he had known had all but vanished, but this one memory remained alive and gave him hope. In 1957, in the United States, two adults, both immigrants, are set up on a blind date. And where were you during the war, inquires the woman. Why, I was in a concentration camp in Germany, the man replies. And she says, I remember I used to throw apples over the fence to a boy who was in a concentration camp, she recalls. With a feeling of shock, the man speaks. And did that boy say to you one day, don't bring me an apple anymore because I am going to be sent to another camp? Why, yes, she responded. But how could you possibly know that? He looks into her eyes and says, I was that young boy. There is a brief silence, and then he continues, I was separated from you, from you then, and I don't ever want to be without you again. Will you marry me? That was on their first date. They embrace one another, and she says, Yes, yes, yes. That was on Valentine's Day, 1996. No, excuse me. That was on 1957. But on Valentine's Day in 1996, on a national telecast television with Oprah Winfrey, this same man affirmed his enduring love to his wife of 40 years. You fed me in the concentration camp, he said. You fed me throughout all these years. Now I remain hungry, if only for your love. Now remember the darkest moments of one's life may carry the seeds of the brightest tomorrow. What a coincidence, huh? Coincidence, they, the end, that was the end of that story. Our next story is on page 126. This one says, it starts out, coincidence don't happen only to adults. They can happen to children too to little children also. Just recently, my nine-year-old son reported the following story to me. 
in a tone filled with awe at the marvels and mysteries of the universe. Last Thursday in school, he said, I ate my snack during morning recess and it was salty, so I got very thirsty. We have a soda machine in the hallway and I wanted to buy a soda, but I was worried that recess might be over, so I asked a kid what time it was. It's 11.05 exactly, he told me. I had five minutes to spare, so I ran down the hall to the machine. I have a habit of looking at each quarter before I put it into the machine because I'm always hoping that somehow I'll get an old one that's worth a lot of money. So as usual, I looked at each quarter before I inserted it. My teacher is very strict and gets very angry when we come into class late. I was so afraid that I was going to miss the recess bell that I made a mistake and put in an extra quarter. I put in four quarters instead of three. When I looked at the last quarter, I saw that the date was written on it was 1980. I also saw a nick that, that I had made on that quarter during class when I played with it and scratched a nickel across its surface. As soon as I put in the four quarter, I realized my mistake. I pressed the coin return and banged on the machine, but the only thing that came out was the Sprite. I noticed the principal walking by and I I asked him if I could get my lost quarterback. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, he said absentmindedly. I could tell he didn't think my lost quarter was important. I ran back to class and later that day, I went over to the principal again and asked for my quarter back a second time. Soon, soon, he said. He seemed impatient. All week long, I asked him for my quarter, and all week long, he repeated, soon, soon. But he never gave it back to me. Exactly one week later, also on Thursday, my son told me, excitement rising in his voice, During the first morning recess, I again wanted to buy a Sprite from the soda machine. Uh, Again, I was nervous about being late, so I asked the kid for the time, and he said, it's 11.05. He said, exactly this time, I was very careful to be sure to put in only three quarters. I put in the three quarters, and out came the Sprite. I was about to race down the hall to my class when I heard something drop into the coin return slot. I put in my fingers and pulled out a quarter. That's strange, I thought. So I looked at the quarter closely. It was dated 1980, and it had a nick on it. It was my quarter, the exact same quarter I had lost the week before in the machine at the exact same time, on the exact day, same day of the week. Can you imagine that? So what do you think all this means? I asked my son, curious to hear his interpretation. Hey, Mom, he said with a white grin. This lesson is easy to figure out. Really? I said, amused. And what exactly is the lesson here? When it's coming to you, it's coming to you. He yelled exuberantly, triumph glinting in his eyes. (laughs) When it's coming to you, it's coming to you. He yelled exuberantly, triumph leading his eyes. Gita Hoverson Mandelbaum. Comments. What a blessing for my son that through the coincidence he 
fortuitously learned that justice is indeed served in this world. Obviously, losing a quarter is not a major tragedy, but still he might have come away from the experience a bit sour on, on the universe sense of fair play, perhaps on a small scale. This experience might have given rise to a child's speculation that God cheats little kids. But given the startling cemetery between the two events, he came away with the perception that just the opposite holds true. Amen and amen. I remember as a as a kid, um, I would uh, I would imagine nickels and dimes and pennies, and I would find nickels, dimes, and pennies. It seems like my faith would kick in. I would I would go fishing, and I would believe and imagine I was going to find a fishing string, uh, hooks to the fishing string bait on the fishing string and sometimes a fish caught in the fishing string and I did a a lot of things well I did a lot of fishing with that believing uh, that wherever I go I can find I can find the tool I can find the situation it will it will approach you But I believe this kid got his quarter back because he kept asking for it. He kept asking for it. So, you know, if you ask as a a little kid, say, Father, uh, please heal my back and have faith in the words you say and have the love of a child as you say it, he'll heal you. I once, I told you before, I was moving a old fence and I stepped on a rusted nail it went right through my boot into my into my foot my heel and it must have hit a nerve because as I walked around the nerve started it started uh, crippling me went to the doctor took care of it they couldn't do anything about it nine months later I was still asking my father to heal my my foot. On the ninth month of asking, nine months, uh, I would walk to the restroom in the nighttime and it would cripple me. On the ninth month of asking, Father, heal my foot. Boom, my foot got healed. And it also reminds me of the ninth month when I was selling a house that I loved. You ever fell in love with a house? I had this house for sale and and I was doing everything to clean the house. I cleaned, I changed all the uh, screens on it. I did the maintenance on it, you know, had the carpets clean and everything was just spotless on the house so I can sell it. And I was raking the leaves outside and I had other projects I wanted to do. So I asked, I I kept praying, I kept asking God, and on the ninth month, I was raking leaves on the back, doing projects for the house, and I said, Father, please help me sell this house. And boom, the presence of God came down through the tree, and I received the sale of the house. I knew it was sold. 
I was so happy. The love of God came down from heaven and touched touched me like like fresh spring water. I was so happy when I went to the real estate office and let my friends know that the house was sold without a buyer, without any escrows, but it was sold. I knew it was sold. I just, you know, and I was just so happy at God's way of doing things. Uh, There was uh, some business people that wanted some of our real estate business and they took us out to eat. And we went out to eat the office and I kept witnessing to that girl, to that one of the ladies there that was going through something. It was a title company and the title company was trying to get the whole business from the office as we sold, we were selling a lot of property. Um, and I witnessed to her and I told her about the love of Jesus. I was in love. I had her do the sinner's prayer. I brought her to the Lord and, and back of all her problems. And uh, it worked. I that, that, that afternoon, the house was sold. And I, I did my projects. So just to let you know, asking as a child, you have that right as a child. Keep asking as a child. Don't let our hearts get stubborn. Don't let our hearts get hard. Don't let, oh, this is the way it is. For, for God said, all things are possible with God. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray for the audience. We pray for the people listening. Lord, we believe that all things are possible. I pray that you will heal them. Lord, give them new body parts, new new houses, Lord, new curriculums, new study strategies. I pray that you would infuse them within with power and strength to get your covenant to get your your covenant established as you were with Abraham, Lord. I pray that you would be with the people, Lord that your covenant will be established in their lives. And they will see, Lord God, in the heavens, new transformation and you working with them to establish your purpose on earth. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and we say, holy, 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 restore, Lord. Restore the faith in the hearts of the people. Restore, Lord. We thank you for being a good daddy to us and giving us many blessings, Lord. Thank you, Father. We receive them with love. And yes, yes, yes. Thank you for reminding me that you answer my prayers, Lord. Thank you for selling the house and blessing that family. By the way, that family was eight kids, eight total, that bought it. And I blessed them. I left the refrigerator, the washing machine. I left everything for them, even the pots and pans and I went on to other things. I left the vacuum cleaner, the curvy vacuum cleaner. In Jesus name we are blessed. Amen. Have a great time family. Reading of the book of Galatians Chapter 1. Thank you, Heavenly Father God, for giving us your voice, your Holy Spirit, and the Word of God. Open our eyes and our ears to hear what you're saying to the church, Lord. 
Amen. Amen. Go ahead, Anna, and... Uh... Okay, good morning, everyone. Let's start with the Galatians 1. Greeting, Paul, an apostle not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren who are with me. To the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God, the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Only one gospel. I marvel that you are turning away too so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say it again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what we have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of any if for you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son to me that I might preach him among the Gentiles I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days but I saw none of the other apostles except James the Lord's brother now concerning the things which I write to you indeed before God I do not lie afterward I went into the regions of Syria and Cilica and I was known I, I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea which were in Christ, but they were hearing only. He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God in me. 
Would you like to share anything on that chapter? Um, sure. Uh, well, let's see. Um, I, I like the opening where he's just, re you know, he just reiterates that um, he didn't get, um, he's not an apostle by man's, by man's uh, definitions. He is through Jesus Christ the, um, and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So I think that's a nice opening to say, he keeps repeating that, that um, the Father raised Christ from the dead there. I like that. Um, and then he talks again in the next, in number three, grace to you and peace from God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He reiterates that. Who gave himself for our sins? He might deliver us from this present age according to the will of our God and Father to be glory. This is a nice opening. Um, who gave himself, Christ who gave himself for our sins. He reiterates what the gospel is all, all about, only to go into that. And he was kind of shocked that they were starting to turn away so soon um, from Jesus who called them into the grace of Jesus or of grace of Christ to a different gospel. So something happened. He's writing this letter and he's marveling at how quickly they turned away from the, the clear gospel. So, um, so he just goes into the next time and he says, you know, whoever's perverting the gospel, um, whether it be an angel from heaven or whoever, uh, is going to a different gospel of the, what was preached to them originally, let them be accursed. Okay, so we've seen that happening even in today's um, times, you know, where some of the pastors aren't, aren't uh, preaching the right gospel of faith and their church gets shut down or whatever. It just, um, you know, we got to be real Christ-centered when we're preaching or we're teaching and, and keep Jesus at the forefront of of what when we evangelize with anybody. You know, it's, it's the finished work of Jesus that's forgiven people of their sins. They don't have to work for it. Um, it's the grace and the mercy of God who sent his son that he would deliver us from all the sins and that we would be called to eternal life. Um, so I like that, how he, how he uh, gets into that. Yeah, that's a very important point. It seems to be the same uh, problem with First John, one through five. He writes that because people are—they're not keeping it simple, you know. Uh, and especially John uh, tackles that problem, and Paul is tackling right here too. Mm -hmm. On the Passion Translation, it says it says it like this. I'm shocked over how quickly you have strayed away from the anointed one mm -hmm. who called you to himself by his loving mercy. I'm frankly astounded that you now embrace a distorted gospel. That is a fake gospel. That is simply not true. There's only one gospel, the gospel of the Messiah. Yet you have allowed those who mingle law with grace to confuse you with lies. Um, and if if we look back in in number one, one. Okay, so one eleven it says, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. Okay, for I neither received it 
from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we gotta, you know, what we're doing right now is, is we're, we spend time in the Word, and we are working, you know, the Word is alive and powerful, as the Scripture says. So what we do is we're, we're receiving the Word, our spirit is feeding, and um, we get revelation about who Jesus is, right? He's saying, I didn't get it from that person or this person. I got a, a revelation from Jesus directly. It came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, that, that's what we got to plan ourselves. You, you know, it's all about Jesus at the end of the day. Where's Jesus in the mix of our problems? Where's Jesus in the mix that we might receive our healing? And, okay. you know, where's Jesus guiding us, directing us to, to better ways of life, right? Amen. What a what a deal, huh? Directly yeah. from Jesus, mm-hmm. that He's the Messiah, the true mm-hmm. Messiah. Amen. Yes. Amen. Okie doke. I really like the uh, verse twenty four, and they glorified God in me because the miracle was right before them. Here was a converted uh, mm-hmm. murderer, killer right. of the church, persecutor of the church. Yeah. And now, look at him. He's preaching the word. He's been mm-hmm. touched. Mm-hmm. So it, it it gives him more encouragement is to uh, keep praising God. And then the delivery, mm-hmm. the delivery message, just amazing. And I imagine, like he says, it must have been a hard transition for him, right? That um, he was doing this, persecuting the church, and now he's preaching the gospel that he was persecuting. So... It is a little bit tough, I'm pretty sure, in that time, as it might be in this time when you see somebody who is so lost that maybe they were imprisoned for doing something, but now they found God in the process. And it's hard for man to believe, hey, you've changed your ways. Well, you you know, they, they're still thinking in the terms of the natural ways that a man saves himself or whatever, not necessarily that God has touched that they've had an encounter with the Holy Spirit or with God in order to um, to make those changes in their lives, right? It's it's People are doubters, right? So that's a very good point there is that, you know, it must have been a tough transition after being, being viewed as an, a, a, a persecutor of the church. They trusted him. Yes. Okay, then after 14 years, now we move on to chapter 2. I'll go ahead and read. Okay. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. But this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in, who came in to stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, and they might bring us into bondage to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But from those who seemed to be something, to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. 
God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship of the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of the fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles and they go to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. But when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face, because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law, but for, for by the works of the law no flesh shall be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law died to the law that I may live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for it is, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Wow, powerful. Go ahead, would you please comment on that? Yeah, powerful ending there. Um, let's see, where does it kind of start? It says, in maybe in 15a, it says, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith. Okay, so that's how we're justified. We are justified by faith, not, not because we're obeying the law. Um, it's our faith that comes through Jesus Christ. Uh, it says, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. So you can do all you want to try to obey those commandments. You're not gonna, you're, you're gonna fail at one, you're gonna fail at all of them. 
Um, so I just want to reiterate, that's how we get saved is by believing and putting our faith in Christ that he died, that we would have eternal life and that he would forgive us of all our sins and that, you know, any uh, mistakes that we've made, we've been forgiven, that we, that he, his finished work um, accomplished it all for us. We got to, we got to position ourselves uh, as right, a righteous people already. You know, we don't have to work to earn that righteousness. Um, I like, uh, you know, uh, Chris, okay. Uh, I'm over here where it says, I live, okay, number 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It, it, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God. Okay, so we're going by faith here. Um, uh, faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay, I do not set aside the grace of God. Okay, so we've got to run with the, you know, it's God's grace that we've been saved. For if righteousness comes through the law, then why, you know, if, if I'm to obey a law and that's how I think I'm getting eternal life, then why did Jesus die on the cross for you? When I was going to um, to catechism year after year for I don't know how many years, eight years, um, and the one thing in, Catholic, in the Catholic Church taught me, I walked away with one thing, the most important thing. Christ died on the cross for, on the, for my sins. And that's what I took away. It wasn't you know, praying Hail Mary, whatever. They, although they did have us memorize that, that was not what imprinted in my, my spirit. My spirit said, Jesus died for me on the cross to forgive me of my sins. Now, what I didn't know is all the extra details that come along with it by faith and and how, you know, the righteousness, I'm made righteous already and that, you know, all the good things and the inheritance, the blessings that come with that. So that's what I've been learning these past 15 years is that, you know, healing's available, provision's available, peace is available, um, wisdom is available for circumstances. And that, that to me right there says a lot in this chapter is that I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. He, that's saying you didn't do the work. If you're trying to get your own righteousness on your own by doing this and doing that, obeying this and that, and, um, you know, praying and fasting for hours every day, thinking that's what's going to get you to heaven. That's not how it's done. That's a works mindset, you know, and, and always keeping your, your, a self-righteous, oh, you know, I can do this on my own. I can get through it on my own. That's you trying to carry the load on your own down here on the earth. And believe me, the load gets pretty heavy. So... Love it. Very good. I don't, all I wanted to add is uh, I think Paul is like preaching to the, to the Catholics and they're getting saved like crazy. And Peter had a harder task preaching to the stubborn um, teachers of the law to the circumcised. Yeah, I, I, good. I'm glad you're touching on that. That was, uh, you know... Try to change somebody's 
it's easier to change someone that hasn't learned, that has admiration for the Jewish people like the Gentiles when Paul, a Jew, a Pharisee of Pharisees that have authority in the church and then come to the Gentiles and start to talk to them, mm -hmm. they will pay, pay attention. Mm -hmm. And he did, you know, he, he brought them into the kingdom of God mm -hmm. and by the drawer and... And then now he's telling them, hey, you guys got to stick to, to easy does it or simplicity. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, died for you. You don't have to do anything else. But just learn, keep learning about Jesus and do good works. And you notice how he was giving to the poor. So these guys had resources like you can't believe. They were very, very suitable and very rich. Uh -huh. You know, everybody's point was to give to the poor. So there were good works to, um, uh -huh. you know, they didn't say, well, you didn't work. I'm not going to give you any food. No, no they, they gave to the poor. All right, baby, go ahead. Read the... Yeah, uh, one thing pointing about the circumcised thing and Peter and, and, and about the fact that he was, um, let's see, Peter had... Um, was refusing to eat with the Gentiles right over here in this starting in 11 Paul called him out on that right um, well what was Peter's excuse and the reason I did it because I was trying to get him saved mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know okay it's good maybe a little bit more studying that just uh, in the in here in the um, a little, little commentary here that says Paul confronted Peter because refusing to eat with the Gentiles contradicted what Peter had long since recognized that the gospel was for the Gentiles too. He was refusing to eat with them. Yeah, but he was. Yeah, I don't know. If that's it. Says that Peter went to the Jewish people, but the, the principle was that we're born through Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. I love it. Okay, let's move on. Okay, number uh, chapter 3, justification by faith. O, o foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? or by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, In, in you all the nations shall be blessed. So, then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many are as of the works of the law are under the curse. 
For it's written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law. To do, to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God. It's evident for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant, yet... If it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and the seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one. And to your seed, who is Christ. And this I say that the law, which was for hundred and thirty years later cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ that it should make the promise of no effect for if the inheritance is of the law it is no longer the promise of God but God gave it to Abraham by promise what purpose then does the law serve it was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for only one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given, which could have been life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Christ Jesus, in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor, hmm, interesting, to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith, but after faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. Wow, that's a good way to look at it. Thank you, Lord. Okay. And so, for you are all sons of God through faith to in Christ Jesus, for as many of you are... So as, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. The, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Amen. Good job. Mm, very good. That's a... Uh... I'm going to go ahead and read the same chapter 
um, in the um, Passion. Passion Translation. But I'm going to start, move it up to um, verse 6. Abraham, our father of faith, led the way as our pioneer and example. He believed God and the substance of his faith released God's righteousness to him so that those who are the true children of Abraham will have the same faith as their father. God's plan all along was to bring this message of salvation to the nations through the revelation of faith. Long ago, God prophesied over Abraham as the Holy Scriptures say, through your example of faith, all the nations will be blessed. And so the blessings of Abraham's faith is now our blessings too. But if you choose to live in bondage under the legalistic rule of religion, you'll live under the law's curse, for it is clearly written, Utterly curses everyone who fails to practice every detail and requirement that is written in this law. For the scriptures reveal, and it is obvious, that no one achieves the righteousness of God by attempting to keep the law, for it is written, Those who have been made holy will live by faith. By keeping the law does not require faith, but self-effort. For the law teaches, if you practice the principles of law, you must follow all of them. Yes, Christ paid the full price to set us free from the curse of the law. He absorbed it completely as he became a curse in our place. And for it is written, everyone who is hung upon a tree is doubly cursed. Jesus, our Messiah, was cursed in our place and in so doing, dissolve the curse from our lives so that all the blessings of Abraham can be poured out upon even non-Jewish believers. And now God gives us the promise of the wonderful Holy Spirit who lives within us when we believe in him. Beloved friends, let me use an illustration that we all can understand. Technically, when a contract is signed, it can't be changed after it has been put into effect. It's too late to alter the agreement. Remember the royal proclamation. God spoke over Abraham and to Abraham's child. God said that his promises were made to pass on to Abraham's child, not children. And who is this child? It is the son of promise, Jesus, the anointed Messiah. This means that the covenant between God and Abraham was fulfilled in Messiah and cannot be altered. Yet the written law was not even given to Moses until 430 years later, after God had signed his contract with Abraham. The law then doesn't supersede the promise since the royal proclamation was given before the law. If that were the case, it would have nullified what God said to Abraham we receive all the promises because of the promised one, not because we keep the law. Why then was the law given? It was meant to be an intermediary agreement added after God gave the promise of the coming one. It was given to show men how guilty they are, and it remained in force until the seed was born to fulfill the promise given to Abraham. When God gave the law, he didn't give it to them directly, for he gave it first to the angels, 
they gave it to Moses, his mediator, who then gave it to the people. Now a mediator does not represent just one party alone, but God fulfilled it all by himself. Since that's true, should we consider the written law to be contrary to the promise of new, of new life? How observe, truly, if there was a law that we could keep which would give us new life, then our salvation would have come by law-keeping. But the scripture makes it clear that since we were all under the power of sin, we needed Jesus, and he is the Savior who brings the promise to those who believe. So until the revelation of Jesus for salvation was released, the law was a jailer holding us in prison as prisoners under lock and key until the faith which was destined to be revealed would set us free. The law became a gateway to lead us to the Messiah so that he would be saved, we would be saved by faith. But when faith comes, the law is no longer enforced since we have already entered into life. You have all become true children of God by the faith of Jesus, the Anointed One. It was faith that immersed you into Jesus, the Anointed One. And now you are covered and clothed with his anointing. And we no longer see each other in our former state, Jew or non-Jew, rich or poor, male or female, because we're all one through our union with Jesus Christ, with no distinction between us. And since you've been united to Jesus, the Messiah, you are now Abraham's child and inherited all the promises of the kingdom realm. Amen. Amen. So that all the promises of God are yes and amen. Anything to add on that? Um, a lot of people, you know, when you're reading the word, they might say, well, oh, I'm under grace now, right? And, you know, they, they might try to make grace seem like a light thing. Like, oh, I don't have to be this and that anymore. You know, that's not what it's saying. It's saying that Jesus came and sac as a sacrifice for us, for our sins to be forgiven. But that the law served a purpose to teach us a little bit about, you know, how to, how it, to do it the It right identified thing. sin. Yeah, identified it to bring us to the end of ourselves. But um, when you're under Jesus' kingdom, you know, People get afraid. Oh, you're giving a license to sin because, you know, you're going by faith and you're not obeying the law, right? But uh, that is is further from the truth in that when you're when you're following Jesus and, and you, you have a revelation of him, you're, you want to stop. You want to stop doing the wrong thing. <laughs> you know, we, that's not to say we're not going to struggle and make mistakes, it just says that, you know, you're, you're, you know, what does it say in 2 Corinthians 5, 17? It says that you're, the old man has passed away, the new, the new man is coming forth. You know, you're a new creation now, right? You're born again. You're new. You're made brand new. So that old man should be kicked to the curb and your new man rises up 
and you you know you, you learn more about Christ and his ways and you know you you want to do um, you know you want to be more like him because you're made in his image but you know that doesn't say oh go off and you know I'll go I'm forgiven so now I'm gonna go off and you know be in the club every night drinking alcohol you know until I'm drunk sort of thing you know or hey I can just do what I want it's not what it's saying it says that you know, we're we're um, we're an heir now an heir to the kingdom of the finished work of Christ we've become sons, sons and daughters you know, we cry out, Abba, Father, the way it says in the, in the scriptures, I think, in Hebrew. But, you know, we're no, we're no, we're no longer... Uh, oh, yeah, it does say that here. It says, uh, and because you're sons... Oh, that's in number four. <laughs> the Abba, Father part. <laughs> like jumping around here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So, by faith, we've been saved. So... Uh... It's beautiful because the two things I got out of this is that we're all one and we're we're all in union and with one, you know, male or female, rich or poor, non-Jew, Jew. And we've experienced that when you talk to white people, black people, someone who was born again, we're just like, you can feel it in your heart that you're a child of God and I'm a child of God. And there, we're just... We're just in it to to love God and to appreciate the gift of the Holy Spirit that He's infused us with, you know. Um, and we're stronger together as the body of Christ. We're stronger because, you know, there's no uh, bickering or anything. We're just just pure body of Christ getting together and enjoying the. Uh, it, the kingdom realm, the promises of the kingdom realm. Amen. So they're all yes and amen. All right, let's go ahead and move on to this to the fourth. Uh, if you like, or are we gonna take a break right here and we'll do we're halfway of the book. So let's go ahead and recharge our batteries. Yeah. Thank you, Heavenly Father, God, for your word. Seal it, Lord. Seal the kingdom. All the blessings of the Lord are yes and amen. Thank you, Father, for that we are in Christ Jesus through Abraham's faith. And we have faith and love to receive them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the will of the Lord take place here in our Bible study today. We're reading Galatians chapter 4. Fernando and Anna are here. Anna and Fernando, I should say. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, give us your presence in the midst of us, Lord God. Be our supervisor. Be our teacher. Lord, all power belongs unto our master. All power belongs unto you, Lord, our friend. All power belongs unto our master, our teacher. Thank you, Father, for sending your Holy Spirit and intriguing us with your word. In Jesus' name, in your mighty name, we pray and ask. Amen. All right, chapter one. I'll I'll read the first half, and then Anna will read the second half. What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, he is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, 
to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your, our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved? by them all over again you are observing special days and months and seasons and years i fear for you that somehow i have wasted my efforts on you i plead with you brothers become like me for i became like you you have done me no wrong as i know it was because of an illness that i first preached the gospel to you even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. What has happened to all of your, your joy? Huh. <laughs> I can testify that. If you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I not become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may be zealous for them. It is fine to be zealous to provide the purpose is good, provided that purpose is good, and to be so always and not just when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I, I am again in the pains of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. Amen. Um, go ahead, Anna, please. Okay. Um, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it's written that Abraham had, Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But, he was of the bondwoman, was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through the promise, which things are symbolic. For, the, for these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children about no but the jerusalem above is free which is the mother of us all for it's written rejoice o barren you who do not bear break forth and shout you who are not in labor for the desolate has many more children than she who hath a husband now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of the promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh, these persecuted the flesh, then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. Even so, it is now, nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman 
and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Amen. Amen. Well, as a gentleman, I'm going to give Anna the first shot at her reflection. Maybe we might have to go from verse to verse or from content to content to thought through thought because he's got about three or four different thought patterns from air to Galatians falling away and then back to Sarah and Hagar and the principles that are many. So here's Anna. Do you want me to go back to when you read? Or no, what, what, you're, what, you're, what, what you read. Okay, because there's a really important part in what you read. After you. Okay. See what um, I go through? <laughs> okay, Lord. Um, what would you have the people say? Or me say the people here. Let's see. What stood out the most? Well, um, there's the... The bond, the bond woman and the free woman, what, what they emphasize here in these um, two covenants. Uh, so there are two covenants, one by the bond woman who was born out of the flesh and the free, the free woman who was born from the promise that was given to Abraham. So they here it's basically saying that the bond woman was under the law and then the free woman was for the new covenant. Okay, so that's where we 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 camp on the free. We're, we are free in the in the second Amen. covenant Amen. that Jesus uh, brought on the cross. Uh, one is from Mount Sinai, where the commandments were given. Um, and let's see. Amen. I'm going to interject to put it in a nutshell for us. Anna kind of opened up that thought pattern that uh, we have two, maybe uh, two types of people that uh, Paul is referring to. Born again people and the joy that they lost. You you ever sell somebody something and say, look, do this and everything will go well. Eat this kind of food and it's going to be good for you. And you come back and you check on them and their and their life is in trouble. And you say, hey, man, didn't I tell you, you you're to, to eat more vegetables and go on a vegetarian at least for three months to give your body a, a break from processed foods? It's the same thing here. What Paul is telling the people have stayed away from Jesus and praising him in a simple way the love that Jesus has given them and they've gone back, which I've done too and you probably have, gone back to tradition and started going back to uh, praying to angels, uh, living in the Old Testament, uh, comparing Old Scripture with your life, which is, uh, we are not that category anymore. We're the, cate- we're the category of the born again of the free freedom. So, and other people are always trying to put Lord power over us, you know, the, by using the scripture to put guilt on us, hold us in condemnation so they can get their 10%. I'm going in really broad, and I hope I don't uh, confuse any of you, but the, full, the scriptures were full of Jesus coming to today's 
at the at the fullness of time was come when mm, yes. when there was peace with the Romans, there was peace, there was no fighting. So Jesus has the opportunity to come in, and there was three languages uh, available: Latin, Greek, and Hebrew, for him to proclaim his name. So uh, God has has it all under control. That's what I'm Amen. saying right now. Yes, yes. You know, we're just to praise and thank Jesus, turn it over to Jesus. And, and live on that joy and the peace. And Paul was astonished that they, the joy and the peace had left the people. They were zealous because uh, the scripture says, if you put your hope on man, it's your curse. If you put your hope on a man, a preacher, yeah. more than the word of God on what he's saying, it says, you're, so you have to really love the word of God. And the Word of God has to speak to us day and night. As we go to sleep, we wake up in the morning. We have the Word of God not acting like so-and-so said this, so-and-so said that. It says, what did the Word of God say first? And then so-and-so said this about the Word of God. So-and-so said that about the Word of God. I love so-and-so because he said this about the Word of God. So I'm always checking myself that I don't fall into the air of putting somebody in a pedestal. I honor a person of Christ Jesus for their hard work and 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 I and I pray for them that they would be blessed because it's very hard work to be a pastor you know I mean it's just amazing you you actually stop living your life here and you start living for Christ amen amen that's good um you know just in closing here for what I read it says here in um 30 Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Okay? So then, just to clarify, for those of us who believe by faith, uh, it says, So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Okay? So, you know... um, I think, Fernando, you kind of touched on some pastors. They, you know, they're preaching. And the script that what we read earlier in the earlier chapters is that let, let anyone who changes the gospel be the, you know, the true gospel be accursed. So, you know, you may be going to church and you want to, you want to get right with God. You want to start learning more about God. And here you are being, you know, beat with, by the preacher because of sin. And then, but the, the new covenant is when Jesus has forgiven you of all your sins. So therefore, you're still condemning yourself, you know. And, um, and you know, instead of putting Jesus on the forefront, the law is being brought to the surface, which is what the enemy wants. The law is being, you know, glorified in the pulpit. And that's what we got to be careful. What, be careful what we hear, you know. And, and, and like you said, go to the word, validate the word. You know that the word says this and get your revelation you know of truth from the word you know uh, meditate on it ask the holy spirit for for what does this mean question it so um that's that's one thing and we have to remember like if you're trying to be a law keeper good luck because if you when you in the old covenant you break one you break them all so uh i much rather be under the gospel with jesus and his kingdom come under under grace and um 
It's just, I don't have to work for it to, to be forgiven. I am forgiven. I know I'm forgiven because Jesus did the work already for me. I just have to walk on this earth in the good works that he's preparing for me to touch others, to to encourage somebody, to, to uh, you know, teach somebody more about Jesus and who he is, to hopefully be a reflection of Jesus in my actions, you know, to not not live uh, in, be of the world, but not be in it, you know. Um, and so I want to tie this back to the beginning that I read, or that you read, Fernando, that's um, here under, in three, when you started talking about it, um, to me, this is a very, very, like, if you take something away from here today, uh, take this away. Um, it says here in number 28, there is neither, oh, I'm sorry, in four, um, it, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, but that we might receive the adoption as sons, okay? And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, okay? So since we believe we have the spirit of, of God inside of us, and we can cry out, Abba, Father, okay? We, we can call him Daddy God, Papa God, um, and we're no longer a slave, but part of royalty, you know, part of, uh, it says here, uh, but a son, okay? And if a son, it says, then an heir of God through Christ. Okay, I'm an heir. What does an heir do? Your daddy's rich, okay? You inherit. You have an inheritance that comes your way. There's a lot that you receive as an inheritance by the finished work of Jesus. And so, you know, look at yourself as not a, uh, a sinner, uh, but look at yourself as a son of God that you can cry out to your own dad, Abba Father, and, and see him like a daddy. And, um, and expect to have the inheritance. You know, your daddy is not um, a poor God. He's a God of more than enough. He owns everything, um, cattle on a thousand hills and so forth. So just start picturing yourself. Hey, that's my dad, and I'm entitled to, you know, all that he wants me to have. And he wants you to have the good things, you know, an abundant life. Uh, an inheritance means you have healing. An inheritance means you're well provided for. An inheritance means you've got peace. What else? What is, what is it you desire? Don't limit your God, because he's got you got an inheritance and start tapping into that inheritance and wisdom <clears throat> wisdom to spread the the gospel of, of of jesus to others and believe me this world right now is hurting and we need more more laborers for this upcoming revival in jesus name amen uh let me go ahead and, and read it and we'll finish it let me read it to you in context actually the the idea of being a son of god starts on on chapter 3, verse okay. 26, right here it says, I'm reading from you from the NIV, by the way. I switched Bibles. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. All sons of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, for you are all one 
in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying in a nutshell is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, he is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So he's given us an example of what we were under rules and regulations that we couldn't comply anyway. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But now, when the time has fully come, God has sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the fullness, the full rights of His Son. There it is, that we might receive the full rights of His Son. That is where we celebrate, we get the tambourine, we rejoice in the full victory of Christ Jesus, and we camp there and stay there. That's all I need to be... uh, uh, exercising the victory of Jesus Christ and applying it and, and getting others healed and witnessing uh, that we're not a we're not a sad lot you know Amen. Jesus has changed our hearts into joy that's our testimony Amen. guys the, the the smile and the joy flourishing not trying to keep the law For, I tried keeping the law made me a, a bum person. <laughs> Because you were sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Now, I love the way that says that. Because we are sons, God has sent his spirit of Jesus Christ into our hearts and his, through his Holy Spirit. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son... God has made you also an heir. That's the fringe benefits on top of being saved and everything. That that if we claim something, if we believe and stay still and let God be God, God will fulfill His purpose in our lives. That's a hard one, to stay still and and enjoy God. I love it. I love you. Thank you for coming to today's podcast. And now I'm going to turn it over for Anna's last thoughts. Um, I think we covered it all. All right, um, she says a blessing yeah. to you. Thank you so much for listening to us. I hope you have a, a remarkable day today. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Shalom. Uh, singing unto the Lord, the name of Jesus, the Lord told me, the Holy Spirit uh, told me, goes, you're not saying my name enough to make a change in your life, in a nutshell. You're not, the words or the sounds of my mouth Changes the molecules around me, and makes and, and makes evil, f- and whatever is not a god flee away, like poverty, sickness, and disease. So that's our added bonus that we can we can get the tambourine and proclaim the name of Jesus throughout the day, singing songs, in melodies, melodies, singing songs and spiritual songs unto the Lord, making war, having it in the background, the good old hymns. I love you. God bless you. May the Lord restore you, keep you, and make his face to shine you and be gracious unto you. Amen. Give them heaven, family. Amen. God bless you. We love you.